Welcome to this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, we are excited to be visiting today. You know him from Fox and Friends, the Brian Kilmeade Show on Fox News Talk. Uh, also, he is on Fox Nation TV, too. Uh, what made America great? He has written six books, five New York Times bestsellers. Uh, the latest to go to paper book is Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. Rick and Bubba University students and fellow professor Bill Bubba Bussey, welcome to Rick and Bubba University. Brian Kilmeade. Brian. Yes. Uh, I wonder, is there a meal plan with this? Am I going to have to study at home like every other person who goes to university? <laughs> I don't actually get to go to class. I have to do this virtual thing. I know it, it's really gotten bizarre, and, and we're going to get into, my goodness, what has happened to America. But Brian, uh, are, are you at work right now? Yeah. Are you at Fox, or have you been at home? Where have you been? No, I'm not at home. I'm at a studio that they rented uh, on Long Island, which is also shut down, by the way. Uh, but they just thought they, they were told as, many, as few people in the building as possible by the mayor, so they're trying to comply with all that. So they wouldn't let you do it at home like your partner was doing it? I could, but I got two big dogs. I don't have a room to salt away. I got three <laughs> kids running around. It would totally disrupt things. See, I would love seeing that. I would love that. No, it's really interesting because Bubba has, you know, multiple, you know, broadcast basements and closets and, and everything else. And they were like, well, Burgess, what if you have to be at home? And I'm like, I don't know where I would be. I have no game plan to be at home. Right. And you know what? They don't want you home. No. No. My, my wife says she missed missing me. Brian, I probably have the only six by eight closet that has a green screen in it. You know? Oh, really? Oh, man. I've got a TV station packed in a little bitty area, and I do call it the broadcast closet. Well, I'll tell you, a lot of people want to want to do it from home. I don't. I, I do have to get the sense that you got to go to work and not work from home. It's stuff you do extra on the side, you're writing something, that's fine. But I'm always like, you got to go to work and and disseminate just like you want to go somewhere to work out as opposed to work out at home now how, how old, how old are something. your your children you said you got three yeah i don't really keep track um you know they're on their own <laughs> i'm only kidding uh i have a uh, 17 19 23 oh my oh. goodness what's the male female uh, setup it is my 17 year old is caitlin uh, 11th grade soccer player she's looking to get somehow uh, we're trying to get the whole ID camp thing, play soccer in college. My other one, it's got Skidmore, and uh, she plays soccer in college. She wants to be a teacher. Uh, she had to do the last half of the semester at home and hopes to come back for the fall season. And then my son worked at the XFL, was doing great. And out of nowhere, this pandemic hit, and out of nowhere, Vince McMahon collapsed the league. So he's in the process of trying to hook up in the NFL right now. Oh, well, that's great. Did you know a, a couple of – we're going to do Brian Kilmeade little-known facts that our yeah. audience brought to the table today, and then I'm going to give you some Rick and Bubba little-known little facts. Did you know that the first attempt at the XFL, that Bubba and I were the play-by-play -play announcers for the Birmingham Thunderbolts? No way. Are you kidding me? No, we were. Did you have any experience? No, and that's, well, what, that's it, what made it even better. Look, we – you know, we have – decades of experience here as broadcasters brian and we're sports fans so what more do you need yeah i actually <laughs> i actually had done uh, color commentating and bubba ran the network for uh a college uh it was division two at the time it's one double a now jacksonville state university sure. uh and uh where and my rick don't forget i did color for the mighty jacksonville high school Golden yes Eagles you did for a few yes years. you so did uh, we had and we so we had we had some experience yeah what we did is we did the game like fans would do it 
And then even at halftime, my brother would come in who was a blue-collar guy, and he would talk about who he thought did not play well in the first half. Who was who, a pud. Who acted like yeah. a pud or a pansy. And we would, we would talk about these things. But I will probably <laughs> forever be known for calling out a run to the 55-yard line. It, I think it was an interception or something, and you were given the yard lines, and you went 45, 50, 55. And I'm like, wait a minute, we ain't got wait one of those. Wait a minute, there's no 55. So Bob Costas was not worried about you. No, no, not at all. Uh, but, but, but we we saw some pictures today. I didn't realize shocking. that you used to be a UCF guy. Hey, the, 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 the UFC. UFC. One guy, of them. A guy calls up today because some of the guys on our show like the UFC, and they said, did you know that Kilmeade – was part of the television broadcast for the UFC when it won. Yeah, the first One. attempt at it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we found pictures of you. Do you I, we didn't know this. Yeah, it's, uh, I did the first four, um, and I was out in Los Angeles at the time, but uh, I did stand-up for 10 years. And I did. I, and the guy that really helped me a lot did stand-up uh, also had a production company, and he knows I knew sports. So I'm out in Los Angeles. And he calls me up. He says, you coming home for Thanksgiving? And I said, yeah. He goes, I got something to show you. You're the only sports guy I know. I said, sure. So I dropped in the day after Thanksgiving, and he showed me these VHS tapes of Brazilian uh, uh, jiu-jitsu fight. And he's like, see the guy on the bottom? He's actually winning. This is grappling. He showed me all this stuff. He said, they want us to televise all mixed martial arts. They want to see if jiu-jitsu can be karate, can be sumo. And I say, he goes, what do you think? And he said, we want to sell it as someone can die tonight. And I go, you cannot say that. Someone will die. Because, yeah, that we did say it. And that's why 49 states uh, uh, banned us. Everything, I think Denver or Charlotte were the only ones who said yes. So we'd like you to do the first one. What do you want to do? I go, I don't know. I'll just do sideline. They go, well, we know you do a show with Jim Brown on radio. I said, yeah. They go, well, he did the fight in Zaire, the Rumble in the Jungle. Would he do color for us? So I called up Jim, and Jim named a price. They matched it, and we were the first. I was doing sideline for the first one. He did color. And then the next one, the play-by-play guy had problems, and they asked me with 45 seconds to do what's about to start, can you do blow-by-blow, play-by-play? So I literally ran, switched headsets, and did it. And then I did the next one, and I think the fourth one, and then I was done. And next thing you know, they were about to crash it. They sold it to Dana White. And Dana White made it this thing that's bigger than boxing today. So I was at the first four. I, I, we didn't, I honestly thought when the guy called the show today, he's mistaken. I really did. I thought, well, he thinks this is Brian Kilmeade or he's, he's confused. And, and then the, we pulled up the pictures of you in the headset doing it. And we were like, no, that is Kilmeade. It was me. Yeah, I had, I lived, that was my Los Angeles hair. And you, and you, yeah, you look sharp. And you said you did stand up. What, what do you mean stand up? Comedy. Comedy, or you yep. mean our sport? Yep. Comedy. Because yep. you know, in our business, while you try to get that great job, you know, you're mailing out tapes, you're following up with calls. Well, who? How do you continue to be a better broadcaster and be better in front of audiences? I said the one thing they can't control is stand up. There's always a place to go up. So I went and took an eight week class. At the I only took this class because at the end you'll have a set because I it was very structured. And at the end, I, I liked it, so I did it for another 10 years. And it was just one way while you're waiting for that job to come through or another job or to get better or get seen, it was another way to be in control of your own destiny. Were so you pretty no funny? stop you from going on stage. Were you pretty funny, Brian? I think I had my moments. I thought I, was, I, thought I could have been real good, uh, but I always did it 
without any inhibitions because I knew I really want to be a better host. And I said, success leaves clues. And a lot of these people had stand-up backgrounds. And I thought, okay, I know sports. I know news. Now let me get very comfortable on stage. I just wanted to be more of a um, – I wanted to expand my skill set. Yeah, you know, there there is nothing in the business that is more difficult than stand-up comedy. Yeah. If, if you can do that – you can do or anything. Rewarding. You yeah, can do anything. Yeah, your feedback is immediate. Now, the good news is you don't have to come up with a totally different show every day. Right. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the positive. But it is tough. I mean, and it's always funny to me when we've done stuff, Brian, how you can have a, a joke and, and, and it just slays one night. And then you give the exact same joke, same delivery, and everybody looks at you. I know. And you hear crickets. It's just some nights people get it and some nights they don't. I and know. You know, I thought, well, it must be me, but you go back and you look so, at tapes. So, and you, go, you, did it, so yeah. you guys did it together or, say, or, or separately? A little bit of both. And, uh, and, and see, because I, we did the opposite. We went to more of a stand-up from radio. Yeah. So I didn't understand the concept that comedians work on one show yeah. and they get it down and they get, the, and they get their 60, sec, uh, 60 minutes. And, you know, or if you're, you know, whatever, if you're a warm-up warm guy, yeah. it's 10 minutes or whatever. And I didn't know that. So because Bubba and I were from a radio background, I thought I had to have new material every single time I went up. And, and, and I was like, and, people, and one, finally a comedian was like, that's not how we do it. We do the same one and we, and we get it right. So I, I wasn't very good because I kept trying to come up with new material every time. But, but I learned over the years, and, and we did a tour on our 20-year deal, I learned over the years, you get the great stories. It's almost like a band when they come out. We want to hear the hits. So uh, so nail down the, 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 the gold stuff and, and get it into a nice presentation and just keep doing that in different markets. Yeah, I mean, I just have so much respect for people to do it. They'll go up three or four times a night, seven days a week, uh, if, they're, if they want to be great. And I think it's so funny in that um, people say, well, he's funny, go do stand-up. Well, it doesn't matter. That's just where you start. The ones that are going to work are the ones that are going to work. Yeah. They have to work. It's a blue-collar job. Yeah. And you got to go up there and grind and then listen back at your tape and say, okay, where this worked, this was my fault, or I can economize words this way. And after a while, you think to yourself, I don't even remember who was funny, because you get an ear for comedy, but your delivery is going to be honed by just pure reputation. That's why I have so much respect for people that do it. And I understand why people want to go back to their roots. Like Kevin James is gr- and Jerry Seinfeld, they're going back to grinding out stand-up because they're in control, and I think they want to also reestablish how – um, reestablish themselves in the business because if you get good, you get that thirty minutes, you get that sixty minutes, then you get the then you get the uh, the arena, you get the money off the tickets, you get the money off the special. You don't have to wait for a director or a casting director to cast you in it. It's a way of controlling your destiny in a very tough business. No doubt. So, what was the road for you, Kill Me, to Fox and Friends? How how did that finally happen? I've never heard how you got there and. You know, were you in the very beginnings of this whole Fox News, uh, you know, journey? Well, one thing I did on Fox Nation, and I think you guys can appreciate it, it's not stand-up. But what you do is, if you know how to do stand-up, you're very comfortable on stage. Now, when you go up there to host something, they like you already, or else they wouldn't be there. And what I did, since it's so hard to book, uh, since it's so hard to book speeches that don't conflict with news, hey, you can go, some bank wants you to be a speaker at their... uh, at their uh, retreat. No, 
Why? Well, that bank could be involved in a scandal next day. Well, who was their speaker? Oh, the yeah. Fox guy. So, <laughs> um, so I, I started booking arenas and talking about my books, but I would also start off talking about my career, and that's on Fox Nation. It's called. Um, I have it uh, right. America great from the <laughs> I was start. About to say, if you'd like to know, it's actually called What Made America Great, if you'd like to know, Brian. No, that's a different one. Oh, Brian, next, uh, those are the tape pieces. What I do on stage. Brian, you're too I've busy. Like six when... of them live on stage, but thanks for naming my. Yeah. Uh, Brian, but, you're, you're too so, busy when you got to look down to know what you're doing. Yeah. No, um, no it basically, my start was a little atypical. When I got out of college, I, um, I did a lot of radio, but didn't do any television. So I went to television. If you don't have a tape, it doesn't matter what your resume said. So I started my own local show, got sponsors, got a wardrobe deal, a limo deal, got a catering deal. All the money went into the show, waited on the side, and I started this show called Health Digest. I was able to get tape out of that uh, and started another show called Time Out, a sports show. Got some sponsors on that. Didn't make a dime. All the money went to the show. So I did everything I could from selling health club memberships to, uh, to waiting tables. And then when I finally got a tape, I got the interest to Channel One which was a national high school news program. They put together, I did some features where all I had to do was memorize the stand-ups. They just gave me everything. Um, and I was able to get um, some jobs out of that. And then I started doing stand-up and I decided I'm going to go out to LA and I'm going to give, give it a shot. So between stand-up starting at Catch a Rising Star, I got a job at Ontario, in Ontario, California, which is right in the middle, between halfway between Palm Springs and Los Angeles. And then I got a job on All Sports Radio, XTRA, at the same time. I was making five ninety six every two weeks in television. And then I made uh, $200 a show doing Saturdays and Sundays on XTRA and then filling in for people. So I was probably making $25,000, having a remarkably unfinanced but exciting life while doing stand-up for a little money out in Los Angeles. Brian, and, right and uh, yeah, I got engaged to my high school girlfriend. And two weeks before... Uh, we're going to get married. All my stuff burns in a fire. No. Yep. In Malibu. Went right through. The guy had no insurance. Um, and I decided, I don't know, we got married. I went back out. She stayed in uh, in New York for the time. And then I started going to Maria Del Rey. was able to get an apartment. And just before she was supposed to move out, I get a call from a local TV station in Long Island. And it says, we want you to be our sports guy for $35,000 a year. And I actually didn't want to leave Los Angeles, but I thought, well, I got two jobs making 25000 working seven days a week with no house, no clothes, no dresser, no bed. Uh, or do I want to at least go home, restart, take this money, and see where I go? So I decided to go. And within a month, I get fired before my stuff even arrived no, from wait, L.A. What? How did you do that? Because the news director gets fired. They hired me that liked me gets uh, the new guy comes in and doesn't. And before I even arrive, he doesn't like my tape. By the time I get on the air, he calls me in and says, I'm going to be the new news guy. The news guy's going to be the sports guy, and we're going to give you two weeks severance. And my stuff hadn't even arrived from L.A. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. And so I was so able to get a sports job at New Sport, kind of work my way back. And then I found out about a sports job that was open at this place called Fox News and Fox Sportsnet. They both liked my tape. I wisely chose Fox News, and um, I was able to hold on since 1997. Do, do you ever, when you're on Fox News, do you ever think about that guy that came in 
before your stuff even arrived and said, <laughs> I don't like you. I know yeah. we shouldn't have, have you crossed him again I know in the we business should, I, know, I know we shouldn't have that kind of attitude, but do you ever like, hey, I got a birthday wish today. I'd like to say happy birthday to so-and-so as I sit here on Fox and Friends and where, where we've been highly successful since 97. Um, you know. Right, I, I do. That's why you're a great interviewer. And just goes to show you, guys, you're right. So I just thought about that. That burned me up because when they walked me out with security, I never oh, yeah. did anything wrong. Yeah. And I got fired the day John Candy died. That's how I always remember. John Candy wow. died when you come in. I'm like, you want me to call? I'm saying to myself, they want me to cover John Candy's death? That's weird for a sports guy. I'm so stupid. <laughs> so I, I come in. They go, can you come in early? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like, all right, something with John Candy, I guess. I walk in, and they walk me in, and they walk me out with security. No, they As if didn't. I'm going to. Yeah. So as they walk me out, they go, if they, I'll never forget it. They were holding a basket of my stuff. And I'm walking out and they go, if you decide to stay in this business, you'll find out this happens a lot. And I looked at her, I go, you think I'm going to quit the business because of you? They go, well, just some people take, yeah. you know, take setbacks wrong. So what I did is uh, I, I thought about them like every day. And as that's why at Fox, I don't take one day for granted. That's why I do all the shows. I never say, almost never say no. I never ask for extra money. If it comes up in the contract and they look at my body of work and they say, we want to give you more money. That's, that's great. But I don't demand it. Like Fox Nation, when they said, we want to give you the series, they gave me no extra money. I didn't even think about it. Everyone kept saying to me, why will you not ask for more money? They just doubled your workload. Because I remember the guy walking me out yeah. with my $35,000 a year job uh, and telling me, do you want to stay in the business? So I'm at the debates on Long Island at Hofstra. And I turn around and he's there. No. And he comes up to me and he goes, Brian, how you doing? congratulations on all your success. I've been watching you. And I just paused. I looked at him. I go, oh, you've been watching me? And he goes, yeah, I'm really proud of you. And I hope you're still not mad, but we had to make a change. And it's been 15 years. And then I go, yeah, no problem. I was waiting for the president to come out. I thought I had a real shot of interviewing him. So I kind of just want to get this over with. And then he grabbed my arm. He goes, I was wondering if I could ask you a favor. No. And I go, oh, my God. I go, what? And he goes, my uh, my grandson died of an overdose, oh, and I man. need someone to host a fundraiser, and I'm wondering if you would host it for me. So all that hatred and yeah. resentment that fueled yeah. me kind of went out, and I go, you know what? I realize that people that get in your way don't even know it. That's right. Uh, you know, and, like I give them way too much credit. That's right. All these people, than they even deserve, nor do they want. You know, firing. That's in, a great story, it, by it, the way. It is firing in broadcasting is probably about the most brutal of any. It is I mean, brutal. I so. Most people keep a box under their desk. Oh, you know, yeah. Brian, just in case. Yeah. And, Has that happened to you guys? Well, oh, I've been. Oh fired. yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah well, several times. and when you come to affiliates, you know, you if you have if if your if your self esteem is fragile, you cannot get into syndication <laughs> because literally what you said is I could be hired hired and fired by week in and week out by various people. Oh yeah, and we've been fired by fax machine, you know, <laughs> th- 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 this kind of stuff. But you know, but I think you make a point for people watching and listening to this, and we always try to make that point when we talk to people. I, I think sometimes, especially sometimes the younger generation, they're they're led to believe, especially modern day, that people who are successful somehow. It was ill-gotten gains, you know. Somehow, it, it, some, that something happened to them, and I'm not getting the same opportunities, and I'm not getting this, and I. And it was how did this happen to them? And they need to hear that most everybody that has, you know, that God has shown and shown shown grace to, that has become maybe experienced some success. Everybody has stories stories of being fired, 
of being, uh, you know, yeah. something didn't work. I tried a project. It turned out to be no good. I had to go out of business. Then I got a new idea. Uh, all everybody, I've never talked to anyone that doesn't have setbacks that, that if you don't understand that when you face that setback, you might quit. And, and it, I'll tell you this, I'm playing a sport. I know you guys hate. So I played soccer. It's all I right. Kid around. That was the first time I met you guys. You said, first off, soccer sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we love you anyway. No, Brian. we do. Brian. Yeah. And we all got so, things we're not so proud of. I the, the, the other story is that I tell on, uh, American great from the start as I just give people an understanding why I am not cocky. People are not like me, but they'll never say that I'm cocky or um, impressed with myself because in the back of my mind, I remember that guy carrying out all my stuff. But prior to that, I wanted to be a great soccer player. I tried to play 300 days a year. I would run like crazy, work out like crazy, and I was just good. I played Division II soccer. I was just okay. And at the end, when I wanted to be great and all my friends are finishing up with All-Americans and scoring goals in the sixth overtime of an NCAA game, uh, I thought mine was going to turn around for me. And in the end, I played at Pace University, came off the bench in a driving rainstorm, a university you never heard of and a game you'll never hear about. And I walked up in the mud and I said, I've been playing since I was five. I have no discernible uh, discernible uh, accolades to build off of. I've been benched at some of the biggest games. I had some good games. And in the end, what did it do? I said, what a waste of time. I wouldn't talk about it. I never took the mud off my cleats. I wouldn't watch soccer. I wouldn't play soccer. I go, what a failure. But when, the, when the, all the failure notices and the rejection notices started coming in in television and radio, I just had no reaction. I was like, okay, that place said no. That place said no. That place said no. I kept them all. Right. But it didn't bother me like that right. because I already failed. I already failed in front of my family, in front of my friends, compared to my peers. So I go, I'm not going to fail this time, and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to age out or lose eligibility. I'm going to wear them out. But if it wasn't for that early failure, yeah. the best thing happened to me is not to be an All-American, not to score the winning goal in the championship game because I couldn't get soft because I didn't, I didn't accomplish anything yet. Yeah, and, you know, I think for all of us in this business who have those same type stories, and most do that are still doing it, I think you just you just touched on it, and I hope people are catching this. Once you have failed, then guess what? The fear of failure is over yeah. because you've already done it. Uh, so, yeah. so everything that you go into, you're going, well, I'll tell you what I'm not afraid of is failure because I've lived it. I've experienced it, and I've got to the other side of it. So uh, I'm not afraid. And when you're not afraid of it, then, then that's when you really start going for it. And, and, Brian, you were talking about having control on stage a minute ago. I mean, there's things you can control and things you can't. But you're the only one that decides when you quit. That's right. I mean, there's a exactly. lot of people told us no and told us we didn't belong and all that stuff. And I always joke around. I, I don't really think we have a lot of talent. But the one talent we do have is we keep showing up. That's right. <laughs> and That's we're, right. We're, we're going on, what, 26 years now. So, yeah, right. I mean, we just keep showing up. Yeah, when, when you – yeah, I don't know if and, you even – And knew. I heard about you guys before I met you. Oh, really? I knew you guys were a force early on. Uh, number one, because our Fox audience is your audience, the Midwest, not New York, not Los Angeles. And they said, oh, you know, the guys, Rick and Bubba and Sean Hannity uh, loves you guys. Yeah. And he was telling me what a force you were. Yeah. Well, Sean's- you know, Birmingham is probably your best market, too. <laughs> right. It has been many, many times. Uh, there's no tie in there, Brian. At yeah, all. Yeah. Right. You guys are the South. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's and you guys have been good to us and you and yeah, Sean really and, have. And, and always giving us opportunity. And like, to, and like today, you know, agreeing to come on when you got a thousand things to do, but when when did you? When you think of Fox, and I, I know that you know it, 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 it. The Fox was, you know, we report, you decide, and the different, 
you know, slogans throughout the year. But it's obvious talking to you that I think you probably are, are more conservative than you are liberal in, in your in your personal life and, and in your commentary. But you come from New York. Uh, where, where did this, where did this view of the world and politics come from? I don't know because my dad died when I was in ninth grade and he did vote for Humphrey and Kennedy. And we didn't talk a lot of politics, but we always, I was always interested. I was always reading time magazine. I was always like watching what's going on with the Soviet U S uh, um, uh, uh, arms deals. I was always interested in that while doing sports. I don't know, I don't know why, but to me, I always liked the country, and I had a fundamental problem, even in eighth, ninth grade, with people who kept trying to change it. Yeah. I'm like, listen, why are we changing it? Yeah, I know uh, interest rates are high, unemployment's high, but we got a great foundation here. And I always loved our history, and I always felt as though so many Democrats I know, now I wouldn't say aren't patriotic, but always pointing out what was wrong. I always got up fundamentally, I'm talking about high school, and always thought what was right. And look, we'll look at people protesting us and hearing about the 60s and the problem. And I think to myself, even though I was love Muhammad Ali, I did not understand avoiding the draft. And th- those types of things always fueled me. Plus, Long Island is very different from Manhattan. I'm from Long Island. And that is a very diverse area. That's a very, I would say, more red than blue area. Really? Hardworking. Yeah, yeah. Outside Manhattan, dramatically different. Upstate New York extremely Republican, extremely conservative. It's like if you go to upstate New York, you think you're in Iowa. Uh, you know, Westchester is a little bit different, but it's um, but it's split. A lot of wealth in Westchester where the Clintons are and things like that. But Long Island very much split. Man, Peter King is my congressman. Yeah. And I'm, I'm living where I grew up. So he's a Republican, obviously. So, you know, I'm not hanging out with Hollywood people that, that are talking about uh, using their bike instead of a car, you know, or... Uh, they're not saying that AOC, she is a genius. You don't hear that much in my neighborhood. <laughs> hey, you don't hear that much in many neighborhoods, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, Brian, t- talk to us about Fox News. You, you guys started, you, you were, you know, looked to be a little more conservative or mainstream than some of the other outlets. And, you know, you were moving along, you took some hits along the way. How How are we today? Where are we at? I think good. I mean, you got to look at all the shows. It's like, I don't know who follows you at your station, but they don't really consult you about what should be in the content of their show. Right. Like Martha doesn't say what was on Fox and Friends. Let me get Brian a call. She has her own business. Right. Tucker has his own business. Just think of it more than ever before. Not that we're on the same team. I, in fact, I've never seen groups of people in all my years at Fox, 20 plus years. We've never gotten along better on camera, off camera. I've never seen such synergy before. I mean, there's little things that you would never know. Do you know there's like four different places to eat in our building? It was like when there's lunch, you eat at your desk or go outside. They try to build things that keep people together. They built brand new offices in the middle of all the chaos of Roger Ailes being removed and all that stuff. They flattened everything out. They rebuilt every single floor. They walked us up and said, what do you want your office to look like? This is the different furniture options. We want to have your staff, uh, the staff of your show near you. Mm. And they just went out of their way for those nuances that you thought were unnecessary until it happened. And I've never seen Fox um, at a better place right now and overall. And I think our programming, we're still winning every single day, uh, almost in every hour. And... um, so I still think it's good. I mean, Tucker's show is dramatically different than Sean's. 
who has Sean is very different from Laura. Right. Shannon is very different for everybody else. Brett Bears the same show. The five has never been hotter. Neil Cavuto's always been the same. Three o'clock hammer's fantastic. Two o'clock Dana's the smartest person you'll ever meet with the most experience. <laughs> Harris Faulkner, I mean, uh, outnumbered has been a success from day one. And Ed Henry and Sandra Smith are a strong combination. So I think I named the whole lineup. Yeah. So Brian is uh the well, I forgot what I was going to ask you now, Brian. I, I got to listen to the lineup there, and I forgot what I was going to ask you. It was really good. I should have wrote it down here. You know what? You know, it's here somewhere. How handsome I am. It's going to be embarrassing <laughs> if I saw you. Oh, I know what it was. I know it was with uh, with Rupert stepping down and his sons taking over. I mean, some people have worried that we're going to lose uh, the conservative yeah, feel to yeah. Fox News Channel. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they feel like the sons may be more liberal or their wives are more liberal. or But I, I haven't really detected that. I mean, can you address that at all? I can only address me is that uh, uh, they're, they're both great guys. Lachlan's involved every day. And, um, and Suzanne Scott's been there from day one. She was – Chet Collier was the one who hired me. He was the mentor to Roger Ailes. And Suzanne Scott worked with Chet Collier, so I've known Suzanne forever. Jay Wallace started and worked his way up, was successful at every single level. He started as a PA, then he became a, a line producer, then a producer, then executive producer, and now he's running the whole news division. So if someone's going to, if someone understands Fox, it's a guy that's been there for 25 years. So all I can tell you is what I know. No one tells us what to say, and no one tells us what to do. And it's a, just like one of these great places to work. Up until March, it was it was never been better. Now I'm in an isolated uh, place. All three of us are isolated from each other. Uh, the mayor kind of, I guess, said the unnecessary people, non-essential workers, if you can do it elsewhere, do it. And we went along with that. So hopefully we'll be back in in June and things go back to normal. So I think that, I think that we're in an environment now where the President of the United States is – different from anything we've ever experienced in our lives and that that affects everything yeah it really does so let, let's talk about that a minute i mean november is is, is going to be here before we know it oh yeah uh the the whole covid19 thing has taken you know we went on march one celebrating the greatest economy in american history uh and now we have as many people out of work as we are really more than the great depression uh, so in November it is coming, and you can feel that the economy is starting to percolate and, and come back alive, but there seems to be an attempt to keep it from going back to, to its full strength, uh, and I think some of this has become political and agenda-driven. Uh, when you think about Trump in November, do, do, you, do, do you get a sense that it's so strong that he's going to win in a landslide? But then you think about those 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 states that he won by just a few points, the the swing states. Any little alter, you know, the, we we alter any of that at all, he could end up not being the president. Do we need to be careful and not be overconfident, or or, or do you feel pretty confident about his reelection? I'm, I'm if anyone who says they know, including the directors of both campaigns, yeah. Biden and Obama, excuse, Biden and um, and Trump, are just not telling the truth. I don't think it's going to be a landslide. I think that's either way. I would say a couple of things about your first statement. I, in my opinion, I think the blue states are taking their time for a reason. If it was President Biden, they'll be all let's let's get this thing going. Yeah. Right. And I don't think, and I, I'm going to say this, I don't think a red state governor would ever do that. 
Can you ever picture a red state governor holding back business in order for a future for a presidential race in six months? Because I don't think that people should think politics. Think about the dry cleaner, the florist, yep. the restaurant owner, the gym owner. That's who's involved. They don't care like we care about politics. They can't believe they're still being held back. I mean, I'm getting emails from Staten Island, New York. We are fine. There are no cases. Right. right. What is going on here? And I'm telling you right now, if you ask those people that are writing me who they're voting for, it's not going to be for the party of people holding them back. Brian, let, let me ask you this. Even if they so, you, you, do you, so you do think that, yes. New, say, New York, Illinois, California, yes. that is 30% of our economy, those states. Those guys look like they're dragging their feet. Man, they do. I do. So that we get to the third quarter, and those that's going to be our last numbers we have before the election. Fourth quarter won't be out till next year. Right. I would so, add Michigan. I would add Michigan, Michigan to that and take out California because Newsom was originally slow, and I think he's getting such pushback. And I also think that he wants to. It's such a diverse state. There's so much rural areas. Everyone thinks it's Los Angeles, just like they think New York City is New York. It's just so wrong. And there's so many rural areas there. And I think that he is beginning to open up and picking up the pace. And I think Newsom and Newsom, I don't think I could put in that category anymore. I hope I can continue that way. But this Michigan governor, oh man, I see a total agenda. J.P. Pritzker or whatever he is, sending his family to a man their their compound in Florida while he locks down that state. He says they're in phase, phase three, but I'm getting emails all the time. Don't believe it. Uh, also, what's going on in Kansas? That's a Republican area. They elected uh, a Democratic governor who seems to be dragging her feet, too, because they think they have a shot at that Senate seat, perhaps. So I look at the success story. Look at Florida. Yeah. They were the last to lock down, the first to open up, and they're successful. Georgia, same thing, successful. Uh, Colorado, successful. Doesn't mean there's no cases. Texas. We have to live with the risk. Yeah. Texas is good. We're good here. Uh, it, it just looks strange. The optic, you know, and I would like to think no one would do that, but all they got to do is drag their feet and they kill those numbers. Um, so the one thing that Trump was absolutely had going for him was the economy, and it looks like this has fallen into their lap to to take that out. Is what it looks like. Yes, but nobody, I think, blames the president for the virus. They will look at him and say, could he have gotten off the mark quicker? Please tell me the person that understood the full ramifications of this that doesn't live in Taiwan. Don't tell me Anthony Fauci knew. Don't tell me Dr. Burke knew because they didn't. Because in January and February, they said this is not going to affect us here. There might have been a few days where the president could act sooner. But my goodness, to be the first president in the history of the country to shut down a country that was humming like it's never before hummed along, that is bigger than big. It's not uh, like we're back on the war footing like 9-11. We're back for like 2003 with Iraq. No, this is like yeah. nothing we've seen before. And at this point, I think there were 200 cases in the country, yet he still shut it down. We didn't see it coming from Europe. My goodness, the governor didn't see it coming from Europe, no. the, where it's coming from. We didn't get reports from Germany and Italy, look out. We sent some people there, and they're infected. They got here infected, and they didn't even know in their own countries what they left behind or was behind. So if people are going to think going to look at how quick you came back, and they're going to look at how strong the comeback is, we're at 14.7% unemployment right now. 
I think if the president can eat away, eat away, eat away at that and look like we're on the right course while not doing stupid things like fighting with Joe Scarborough, Mm-hmm. I think that would be uh, I think that would be great. Brian, do you think uh, do you think people in blue states that are being held back are going to hold their democratic leaders responsible for that? Will there be a backlash against them for that in this? And also, uh, w- what are your thoughts on China? Did they hide it? it? Was it intentional? Was it accidental? What do you think? Man. If this wasn't accidental, it'll be the most devious, diabolical thing in the history of man. They wouldn't have put that into a Superman script. They wouldn't have put that into uh, the craziest Will Smith movie ever. Right. I mean, I think I'm going to look at the best scenario. I think they were so embarrassed by what happened. They thought they can contain it by brutalizing and oppressing their own people and locking it in that one city. That's what I want to think. However, if I really believe that they believe that, why did they let their citizens travel yep. to other why countries, but not Europe and yeah, America, but not other places in China? And as you said, <laughs> New that York, looks, that looks a little strange. And as you said, New York got it from Europe, not from China. Right. So so they, they they went to Europe from China, then to from Europe into New York. Do you think they just yeah. let it get away? It was it was actual lab work and they just let it get away from them? I'm leaning towards that. I mean, the Secretary of State said that. There's been intelligence for that. There was no clamor. So it's not really impactful if it's a lab or it's some wet market, which I knew nothing about, by the way. But, you know, <laughs> there was a stand-up comedian, this guy, Michael Loftus, who actually was doing stand-up over the weekend. And he said that one of his jokes is, if someone was to tell you the country would be shut down because a guy ate a bad bat, you would think it's the craziest joke you ever heard in your life to the point you're not going to laugh. But I have news for you. A guy ate a bad bat at a wet market, and now the whole world's poisoned. Like, <laughs> he literally saying, can you believe we're saying this? Yeah, I know. An infected know. bat infected 185 nations and destroyed all of their economies except for maybe South Korea and Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's – and the thing that – looking at, at what went on, and now the, I think that it, it – I think the Democrats – this is Bubba and I now. This, uh, see if you agree or disagree. They knew they had no chance, so they said, "Look, let's just run Biden. Let's be done with it. We all know we're not going to win, and we're going to fill gonna, the slot. We're going to yeah. start shooting for our next shot, and when 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 Trump cannot run again, and we'll try to defeat Pence or whoever the next guy is. And then all of a sudden, COVID nineteen kind of fell in their laps, and they're like, "Oh my goodness, we didn't see this opportunity. We might have a shot. And now they think we may have a way." to do this and and i do believe they're using it and plus i've heard other commentators say hannity limbaugh you guys may have said it too that also these blue state governors are going to try to use this as an excuse for their bad job their bad policy budgeting yeah oh no we the 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 state was destroyed by covid19 not by me you know and then try to slow walk this thing down to possibly hurt trump but they're stuck with biden I mean, what are they going to do with Biden? Because I think they didn't think they had a chance. Now they do. They obviously need a better candidate. I mean, what do you think that they'll do? I actually think uh, you're looking at it as an analyst. From the Democratic perspective, I think they looked at President Trump as the most beatable incumbent in their lifetime. I do. And I think they're stuck with Biden. They had absolutely nobody else. Kamala Harris fell on her face, right? Uh, you had, uh, you had uh, Mayor Pete. He's at least 10 years not ready. And I'm saying he's not talented and smart. But he's 10 years out. He needed to be governor somewhere first. So who was left? Well, you had this guy named Bernie Sanders. 
And Bernie Sanders had so much momentum and is such an outsider, they had fear that he was going to get the nomination and not not score the easiest layup in political history. They believe that that Trump is that beatable, that it was that freakish that he won by so few votes in all these blue states like Michigan, not Ohio, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. And next thing you know, they said our only alternative is Joe Biden, because everybody else had imploded. Elizabeth Warren, I'm not saying she's not bright, but totally unlikable and could not win her own state or a neighboring state. So they only had to turn to Biden. But he happens to be the worst candidate in my lifetime. Well, uh, you know, and, and we got to wrap Ryan, it up. He, he's, yeah. he's not right. Okay? Well, here's I mean, the, and I don't, and I'm going to say this. I, yeah. I'm not, I promise you, I'm not saying this to be mean because we have it in our family. Bubba, you've been through it. Oh, We've yeah. seen it Lost my with, 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 you know, our parents and our grandparents. He's obviously in the early stages of dementia. To me, that's obvious. You know, because I've seen it, we've we've lived with it in our own families, and uh, that's not to be, to say anything mean. It's just to state a fact that this is only likely going to get worse uh, as as we go forward. And I wonder if he'll be able to even could do the job if he were to somehow get elected to do it. Well, both of you guys, it's not my fault. You had it in your family. Wouldn't you go out to protect your family members? You said you had it in your family and not put them in a situation where they even go shopping by themselves, right. let alone run for president. Right. If they really cared about him, they wouldn't let him do it. No, you're right. So where is Jill Biden? I mean, it's not like he is. It's not like he's got the talent of Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, who are incredibly talented and are great speakers and are having some type of failure. So this this has been going on. I mean, the other day he said, I'm the one who can beat Joe Biden. I know. Yeah. Well, I know. He, I, he may be right in that. And, may, and that yeah. may be his biggest <laughs> opponent. That may be his biggest opponent. Brian, Brian we could talk all day with yes, you, man. I know you got to get to the show. But you got to go. Yeah. We got to let you go. And thank you for taking time to be with us and, uh, and uh, for all the years. And we look forward to what God will have us all do together in the future. So thanks for being with us, Brian. Kill me on this right. edition of Rick and Bubba University.